How many of you know it is great to be connected with other believers? And that can't always happen in the depth that it needs to happen just on Sunday mornings. So so there is something about gathering together with others during the week to be encouraged, to be uplifted, and to be reminded of who we are. So uh, as you've already noticed in in the video, in the New Life News, we're starting a new series today called Tomorrow Starts Today. And who in this room have you ever gotten to the end of a 10-year section of your life and you said, man, I appreciate all the lessons I learned, but I wish I would have known them 10 years ago before I started this last decade. Is anybody else in that same boat with me? Uh, I I feel like that all the time. There's always things that we're learning that we look back on and it's like if I could just write myself a note to my younger self and send it back in time 10 years ago. Everything would go smoothly. But sometimes we think about the lessons we learned and we really wish I would have known them previously. How to manage my money. I've learned some stuff over the last decade. How to handle relationships. Has anybody been in that boat? It's like, oh, there's things I wish I would have done differently or managed that better. Uh, How valuable time is and how fast it goes by. These are all things that we could learn. And the reality is that our future success in life is determined by how well we live in the present and the lessons that we're willing to learn right now. Tomorrow really does start today. And if, uh, if you look on the screen, the, the background picture up there is actually people running in the Pittsburgh Marathon, which is coming up soon. If you were thinking about registering for the marathon but you haven't started training yet, tomorrow will start next year for you. <laughs> You, you can't, they, all these people running across that bridge, they didn't wake up the morning of the marathon in May and say, all right, I know how to run today. I've learned it. I'm just going to go out and do it. Their today started sometime in the past where they said, I'm going to start to train. And all of us are in a race. Can we say amen to that? Scripture says we're in a race. Those people on the screen are in a race. And it's not just about being able to run. How many of you know that even in the running, you learn things? All of those people, as they were training to run, they they knew how to run, but they learned lessons of, well, how fast am I going? Is this a good pace for me? How how can I drink water while I'm jogging on the road? Because they hand you those cups and it sloshes everywhere while you're running. They learned all of these lessons. Are these the right clothes to wear while I'm running long distance? How do you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth if it's cold? Come on. There are things that you can learn even while you're running the race. And God set it up that way for us. We are all running a race and we want to run it well. So there are things that we learn along the way to adjust how we're running. And that's part of learning the lessons that we want to learn right now. I don't want to wait to go through the same lesson ten times before I learn it. Can we say amen to that? I think all of us can remember some point in our lives where it's like, oh... I should have learned this the last time I went through this. So here's a key verse for our series, Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 14. It says, you may be sure that wisdom is good for the soul. Get wisdom and you have a bright future. You have a bright future if you get wisdom. That's something God wants for us. The the word to our church this year was everyone. And God wants every one of us in this room and connected to New Life Fellowship to have a bright future. He, He knows that there are some lessons that we learn in life that are sometimes painful. They cost us something. There's something that that is hard for us to go through that process to learn. And God wants us to pursue wisdom because he wants every single one of us to have a bright future. That's a, that's a good amen point right there, Pastor Chris. Does anybody else agree with me that God wants you to have a bright future? Yes. All right. If, if you don't 
know that. If you are not convinced in your heart, down in the depths of your soul, that God has good plans for you and wants you to have a bright future, you need to hear that again this morning. You need to say it to yourself until you begin to believe it. God wants you. Look at your neighbor and say, including you. That was, that was half-hearted. Like the, all the people that looked at their spouse are like, uh, including you. Like, like, turn to the other person beside you, somebody else, and say it like you really mean it this time. This includes you. God wants you to have a bright future, and part of the way he set it up for that is he gives us the ability to learn. And as we're going through life, it's not just about going through life to go through life and say, well, I did it. We go through life because there's things that we can learn that impart wisdom to ourselves that set us up for success in the future. If we, if we don't learn the lessons he sends our way, we keep paying that same hard price for some of those lessons over and over again. And we want them to sink in right now. We're, we're all wanting to learn, and we don't want to go around the same mountain again and again. So each week in March, we're going to look at four or five things that are lessons that I think are valuable if we learn them now. And I don't care if you're 15 or if you're 50. The, you are still breathing. You have a future in front of you. There are lessons that we need to learn and rehearse. And maybe there are things that you've, you've heard before, but we still need a refresher on them to say, how am I doing? Have I really learned this? Am I setting myself up for the future? So you'll have a chance to discuss these lessons at Life Groups. You can sign up after in the foyer, as we mentioned already. But I'm going to start out with the first lesson today that is maybe a hard one for us, but I figured we'd get it off right off the bat, get it out of the way. This number one lesson that I had on our list that we can learn to be successful in the future, own your issues and deal with them quickly. Own your issues and deal with them quickly. How many of you have issues? Now, now, like, some people are like, is that, should I raise my hand? Is that okay to raise your hand in church? I, go to the next slide, please. I saw this cartoon this week, and I thought it was great. This couple's deciding whether or not to try a new church. And the sign out in the front of the church says, welcome to the church with tons of issues. And the husband looks at the wife and says, well, at least they're honest about it. Come on, how many, everybody has issues. The, the only perfect church, the only perfect people are, are people that you don't know. You, you haven't met them yet to figure out, oh, you've got some of the same issues as me. That's the only time we think it's perfect and is when we haven't experienced it yet. But everybody has issues that God wants us to learn how to deal with them and how to overcome them. When I say issues, I'm talking about things in our lives that cause pain and brokenness and dysfunction and they hinder us from having relationships with people the way we should they they cause things to go poorly for us that's what i mean by issues and there's a wide variety i'm not going to tell you list them all because we all know our own issues like samuel's having issues right now he's hungry come on feed me give me something going on here everybody has issues that we deal with all the time and uh, a key to dealing issues with our issues is to own what did I do to contribute to those issues? Every single part of our lives, everything that's going on around us, we had a part to play in it. And there's, there's something about owning our issues is the first step to overcoming them. If we don't think that there's any issues in our lives or we don't have any opportunities to grow, uh, life is going to be very difficult. Okay, if, if we don't think we have a place to grow or we don't think we've caused any issues, we're going to act like victims our whole life. And everybody that we meet is going to keep doing the same things to us. Maybe you know people like that. Sure. It's never their fault for anything they went through. 
Some of you are thinking of people, some of you are nodding at me, some of you are wondering, is the snow started yet? Come on, we all know people like that, that they don't think there's ever anything they did to cause it. And I'm not saying, there, there may be sometimes the issue is it really was like 90% that other person and only 10% me, but I need to look for what did I do to contribute there. The relationship that Pam and I have today, good, bad, or ugly, whatever it is, it's the relationship that we have because of both of us. Okay, the, the relationship we have at our house is not 100% because Pam made it that way. And it's not 100% because I made it that way. We were in it together. In fact, I'll go so far as to say I am the common denominator in everything that I've experienced in my entire life. (laughs) It's not rocket science, right? (laughs) We're, We're talking practical to help people this morning. And you can say the same thing. You are the common denominator in your life. Everything that's happened to you, everything that's gone on around you, you are the only thing that's constant through all of it. And the way that we grow is when we realize, what did I do to contribute to any issues and any dysfunction? And I want to deal with it and have God help me deal with it. Look at this verse that David wrote in Psalm 139, verse 23. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Notice in that verse that David said, search me, O God. He didn't go to God and say, hey, Lord, fix all these people around me. Can you do something about my mom? She was mean to me. My mom has never mean to me ever in my entire life. Amen. Amen, Pastor Chris. <laughs> if you couldn't hear it on this side, I got a rousing amen from my mom. <laughs> as, as tempting as it is to believe otherwise, it was not my, your wife, your husband, your boss, your friends, your co-workers who are causing all of the pain in your life. Come on, can we be real in this place? There, there may, I said it already, there may be times when they've added some pain or they haven't been really nice, they've been ignorant in some areas, but most often we need to realize, I contributed something, and what can I do about me to change it? Search me, oh God. Know my anxious thoughts. Help me change anything that needs to change in me. There, there may be times that other people have done things, but we need to own what we've done. God is interested in the fruit of the Spirit growing in me. Not me being the gardener to force the fruit of the Spirit to grow in everybody else around me. Because some of us, <laughs> some of us act like that sometimes. In, in, unintentional or intentional, some people think it's my responsibility to fix everybody else. And how many of you know those people aren't very pleasant to be around most of the time? That's where we have to get to a point where, say, where we say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you do your job in everybody else. And I'm going to cooperate with you doing your job in me. And whatever I need to own in any of the issues in my life, I'm going to address them, and I'm going to do it quickly. Because how many of you know, if, you, if you're aware of an issue and you don't address it quickly, it gets worse. It festers, it grows, it becomes a bigger deal than it was originally. We need to be people that own our stuff, and we deal with it quickly. And, and I'm not, I didn't ask for a whole list of everybody's issues, and I'm not going to try to give you a one-size-fits-all blanket answer for all of your issues. Do what you feel led to do by the Lord. You may need to repent. You may need to go see a counselor. You may need to go apologize to somebody. You may need to take a class. You may need to get somebody to help you be accountable in your life. I don't know what it is, but own our stuff 
and deal with it quickly. If we learn that lesson, we go a long way towards setting ourselves up for success in all of the relationships that we will have later in life. So number one today, everybody say that was a good one to start with, Pastor Chris. Yeah, say it like you mean it again. (laughs) And there's the second lesson that I have for us today actually could be a, a solution or one of the things that helps with issue number one. The second lesson is invest in relationships that make you better. Come on, we're talking about things that have set us up for success in the rest of our life. Invest in relationships that make you better. Our future is impacted by the people we surround ourselves with. How many of you have ever heard uh, the old saying, somebody says, show me a man's friends and I'll show you his future? Has anybody ever heard that one? It's kind of an old cliche. I don't know who said it first. But they said, show me a man's friends and I'll show you his future. And we often say things like that to, maybe, maybe you've said it to somebody you know to shake them up a little bit because they were running with the wrong crowd. Has anybody ever heard that said to somebody? Maybe you see a teenager that's with a group of kids that you know, hey, those kids have all been arrested. They're not a good influence. And they'll say something like that. Hey, your future is determined by your friends. There is some merit to that because 1 Corinthians 15 says that bad company corrupts good character. But there is something about thinking of it in a positive light, of being intentional about I'm going to surround myself with people who will cause me to be a better person, that will cause me to be better in whatever area I want to grow in. There is an intentionality that we can pursue in our relationships. And when I say invest in relationships, I I use the word invest intentionally because sometimes it costs something to invest in relationships. I have a pastor friend that I value his wisdom immensely. I take him to lunch or buy him coffee probably once a month or every other month because I want to just spend time with him and have him download some things into my life. I invest in that relationship because it's important to me and I'd like to be better at the things I do. And it it applies to everywhere. If you want to be a, a better spouse, look around you for people that have a great marriage. And say, hey, can, can you speak into my life a little bit? Tell me, what's your secret? If, if you were a 20-year-old just starting out and saying, hey, I'm, I'm getting married next week, wouldn't it have been awesome if you could go back and talk to yourself all those years ago and say, here's some lessons that will help you succeed in marriage? It doesn't matter how long you've been married. If you want to be better at it, look for people that are doing it well. Read some books about it. Get some people to speak into your life. If you want to be a better athlete, find a good coach to speak into your life. If I want to grow in my faith, get connected to other believers who will speak encouraging things to me to help me grow. There are are things that we do intentionally to invest in relationships that will improve ourselves. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul was talking to the church in Corinth. In verse 15, he says this, uh, and I love the way the Passion says it. He says, for although you could have countless babysitters in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong, you don't have many fathers who correct you in love. And Paul said to them, I'm a true father to you, for I became your father when I gave you the gospel and brought you into union with Jesus, the anointed one. How many of you know there is a difference between encouragement and criticism? There, there is a way to encourage people, even when we've screwed up, that helps us get back on the path. Son, this is the way we do it. And we tell Silas, hey, you know, this, in our family, these are things that are important to us. We don't act like that. What does criticism do? Criticism only points out where you got it wrong, doesn't help you grow, and what criticism does, it actually prevents you in the future from ever taking a risk or ever doing anything. I'm not, I'm not going to step out in there or I'm not going to do that because I might get it wrong and then they'll be on my case. 
And Paul's telling the the Corinthian church, you've got a ton of babysitters, or you may have a translation that says guardians, but that's kind of the implication of that word is you're you're teaching young, small children and you're criticizing them. He says, you might have a bunch of babysitters that can tell you what you've done wrong, but you only have a few fathers that correct you in love. And we need to look for people that will help us grow in that encouragement. And uh, fathers correct in love. And Paul says in that verse, you don't have many fathers, but he doesn't say that you only have one. I've, I've met people that they're, they're looking for the perfect person to speak into their life. Well, I've, they've got to be great in this area, and they've got to be able to do this, and they have to walk on water when they wake up in the morning. Come on, if you wait for that, you're never going to find somebody to speak into your life. Yes, Jesus still speaks into your life directly. I know he walked on water. He is perfect. He has the ultimate say in our life. But how many of you know he put his presence and his spirit in a whole bunch of people around us to help give us wisdom in our lives? And sometimes we, we're waiting for somebody, like, I'm not going to let them speak into my life unless they're right up there next to Jesus. Paul says you don't have many fathers, but you could have some. You might have somebody that, hey, I really go to that person every time that I need advice of how to deal with my kids or be a good parent. And you might have another person that you say, hey, this is, this is my profession. Maybe it's, it's a trade and you've apprenticed somewhere and you're saying, hey, can you help me be better at my job? There are multiple people that you could have speaking into your life, but Paul says they, they should be fathers that encourage and correct us in love. So let's invest in relationships with people that will make us better. That's the bottom line, is choose to invest in those relationships and let people speak into us. Uh, The the third lesson I wanted to talk about today, so that's the the first two, own your own stuff and deal with it, invest in relationships that make you better. The third one today is get off the fence. This is a lesson that I personally have been trying to learn my entire adult life. And can my family say amen to this one? It's okay. You can say it out loud even. I'm trying, I've been trying desperately for a long time to eliminate phrases like maybe, probably, kind of, we might. Does anybody else do that or is it really just me? Like I should go home and just look in the mirror and preach this sermon. Sometimes we need to get off the fence because our indecision keeps us from experiencing things in life. It cripples us and keeps us in one place. I saw uh, they took a survey of a bunch of indecisive people and they said, what are you indecisive about? And the answer was, uh, go to the next slide, please. They said 50% said, I'm not sure. And 50% said, I don't know. We feel like that sometimes, don't we? How many of you in this room, it's, a, it's an old cliche, it's a funny little thing, but how many of you have had the where should we eat conversation? <laughs> Come on, two, three people raise their hand. If, if you are alive and you have friends or you have a spouse, you have had this conversation and it goes like this, where should we eat tonight? Yeah, I'm hearing it in the room right now. I don't know, where do you want to eat? I don't know. What are you in the mood for? Oh, we should get a burger. Oh, I don't want a burger right now. Come on. You ch- we talked for an hour about where should we go eat and the restaurants all closed. And we missed our opportunity because of our indecision. And that's it's a funny example, but most of life is like that. Our indecision robs us from experiences that we would enjoy in life. How do you know if you've ever made a decision? You know because there's action that happens. Indecision keeps action from happening in our lives. 
And we stay in the same place doing the same things and we don't ever make any progress anywhere. And God's saying, hey, here's a great lesson for you that will help you succeed in the rest of life. Get off the fence. Let's be people that are decisive. And, and it's funny to think about where are we going to eat, but uh, there is more to life than just where are we going to eat. I think there are, come on, there are good aspects of trying to understand everybody's viewpoint and where they're coming from and listening to all sides. But eventually we need to know what we need to do. And I do believe, not 100% of the time, but I do believe sometimes making a wrong decision is better than sitting in your indecision. Because at least with the wrong decision, you learn something from it. And you grow as a person and you don't make that same mistake again. But indecision cripples us and keeps us in the same spot. And there's many issues where I think we need to be resolved in what we believe even. And what we know. And get off the fence about being a person who says this is what I think is right or wrong. I I think there's a lot of things that have happened in our society, even in the world, because we sit on the fence and we say, well, that could be okay or that could be okay. And especially as believers, sometimes we need to get off the fence And be people that say, hey, I think this is God's standard that he has for us. Like what, Pastor Chris? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. You don't have to look any further than things in the news. How many of you know there is a huge issue in this country right now with people refusing to embrace the identity and the gender that God created them to be? At at least three people have read the news. Come on, it's a big issue right now in our country and we need to be people that know what we believe enough to say, hey, this is God's standard for how he created people. And I believe there's a lot of issues that are going on, a lot of dysfunction in our country, in our nation right now because people have identity issues. Because not only, like, in this room, I want every one of us to know who we are in Christ. But there's even a level, there's a step before that just to know who are you as a person first. And people aren't even embracing that. How can they find out who they are in Christ if they don't even know who they are as a person yet? And there are issues that we need to get off the fence about. How many of you have watched the news and you've seen a couple states uh, pass laws where they can abort babies up till the time they come out of the birth canal? And, and one governor got in trouble because he, he actually said out loud, well, even after they come out, we, we could debate about it. Come on. That's wrong. That, that, that is taking innocent life, and it's actually murder. And at some point, we need to get off the fence and be confident enough in what we believe and what, what we know the standard is that God has put in his word to say something. And come on, getting off of the fence doesn't remove our responsibility to speak lovingly to people. Come on, because there, there are people on all sides of all issues that have been getting off the fence, but they're not doing it in a loving way. And we see the fruit of it all around us, of people carrying their signs on one side of the street, and they're shouting at the people on the other side of the street, and this protest and the counter-protest. And the world is waiting for the church of Jesus to get off the fence, but to do it in a way that loves people and says, man, this is, this is God's best for your life. This is why he doesn't want us to do these things. These are the things he does want us to do, but in a way that embraces people and lets them know there's hope for the future. Amen. We will get off the fence. And come on, there, there may be some issues that we need to sift through in our heart and figure out, are these just my personal convictions 
versus the truth of God's word. Because you, you can't be dogmatic about your personal convictions. Come on. There, there are things that are very black and white in the word of God that we need to know and get off the fence about. But there are things that are right or wrong for just us. Maybe you've been really convicted about eating healthy and you've decided to be a vegan. That doesn't mean that everybody in church has to be a vegan with you. Can I at least get an amen from the guys this morning? That's a personal conviction that God may have given you about your diet, but it doesn't mean you have to be dogmatic about it. But there are things like life and, and unborn children that can't protect themselves, that there are things that God said, stand up for the widow, the orphan, the people that can't help themselves, the helpless among us, that we need to get off the fence about. Uh, even James, he, he talked about this in James chapter 1. He says indecision can even creep into our walk of faith and affect our ability to receive things from the Lord. In James chapter 1 verse 7, it says, When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? Or you may have a Bible that says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Can we really expect to receive something from the Lord when we're in that condition? And trust me, if we don't get off the fence, someone will make a decision that we will have to live with. And we might not like it. There, there are things that are happening now in this country because the, the church stood on the sidelines and didn't get off the fence and said, well, somebody else will take care of that. And there's a lot of decisions that people in the church are like, how could this have happened in our society or in our schools or in our workplaces? And it's because the church remained silent for many years. Or we didn't speak in love. And that repelled people too. We need to get off the fence and know what we believe. Gosh, can I, can I talk about babies one more moment? I, I, I think it's amazing. The, the more technology advances, the more it starts swinging people to be pro-life because you can actually see what's happening in there. I saw this amazing picture this week. It just popped in my head. Uh, this lady was pregnant and she was blind. So they made, they printed a 3D model of the embryo because from the, from the ultrasound, they said they... Here's the picture of it, and they printed it, and here's this blind lady sitting, feeling this model, and she's sitting there, she's got tears running down her face, because she says, this is, this is a baby in me. And it's like, if everybody could just see, sometimes we think, oh, that would, that would make a difference in your life, and it's like, uh, there's more to even just seeing. <laughs> if everybody could understand the miracle that happens in there, when God begins to, to form a life inside of someone. And here's this lady that she couldn't even see, but she could see, this is a baby that's going on inside of me. Man, the sooner in life that we learn to get off the fence, the better life goes. And if we could be decisive about some things and see us start to receive from the Lord. Uh, here's one more lesson today. Uh, number four is practice faithfulness. And when I say practice faithfulness, it just means we're being loyal. We're keeping our word. We can be counted on even when things are difficult. How many of you know that's not a value that's touted a lot in the world, of keeping your word even when things are difficult? Uh, there, there's a lot going on in culture right now that says if something is difficult or it's not going the way that we want it to go, just move on. We see it in jobs, in relationships, marriages, in in 
schools, in all these different places, it's like what the world says, if it's just not doing what you want it to do, just do something else. And God puts a great value on faithfulness. It's actually listed in the fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness is something that God is actively trying to develop in our lives because it is part of our Christian witness. It is part of who he's called us to be, to be a people who are faithful. Faithfulness stands out because it goes against the tide in the world. People notice people who are faithful. Faithfulness opens the doors and promotion and things that happen in our lives because people recognize it in us. Here's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, uh, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. All of us have been given something. We've been entrusted with something. Whether it might be a relationship with a spouse that you've been entrusted with or a friend or your neighbor. God's given you those relationships to prove yourself faithful in those things. We've been given a job. If you are employed somewhere, that's a trust that you've been given. Whether or not you think it came from God or not, he gives us the ability to produce wealth is what scripture said. A job is a blessing from the Lord. It's a trust that's been given to us and part of our Christian witness is to be faithful in that job. I would love it if employers said, man, I try to hire as many Christians as I can because they're always the ones I can count on the most. Wouldn't that be an awesome reputation for us to have in the community? I think to some degree there's a long way to go in sharpening that reputation in the community. But that is the goal. If we are such people of our word and such people that are faithful that the boss would know, hey, I can leave Pam in charge because she's faithful. I don't have to worry about a thing while I'm gone. That's what he's after. That's part of our witness in the world. Everybody has a reputation. Everybody has character. As Christians, we've been entrusted with the gospel. Come on, if that's not something to get up for in the morning and say that's something to be faithful with, letting people know that there is good news and hope. We've all been given a trust that we have to be faithful with. Faithfulness will still win you friends and open the door and bring favor into your life. We need to learn how to be consistent and loyal and steadfast and hold on to what we know even when it's difficult and goes against the flow. So that's the fourth one on the list is be faithful. And I got, I got one more that I'll give you and we'll go today. Uh, it's not snowing yet. I can actually see outside right through that little crack in the door. Uh, so this is the last lesson. And you would think it would be obvious to us, but the sooner in life that we grab hold of this lesson and we truly get it, the better life goes. Uh, number five is live like God loves you and everything you read in the Bible is true. How many of you would have loved to have given that piece of advice to 12-year-old you? Man, live like God loves you and that everything in the Bible is true. There is something about knowing who we are. And most people in life, if you meet them, we haven't done an official survey or anything, but most people really wish somebody loved them unconditionally. Someone does. So let us live like it in front of them. Let us let them know that there is love to be had uh, no matter who they are and where they've come from. There is a longing in people everywhere to know that they are loved. And when we really believe that God loves us, it causes us to act differently. There are times when I really know that Pam loves me. That didn't come out exactly like I said that in my head. 
Now I've got to think about how to dig out of that one and explain what I meant to everybody. I know Pam loves me. We, we stood in front of a church in an altar and the pastor was there and we took vows to each other and Jesus was present and he made us one. I know Pam loves me, but there are times when I really know that Pam loves me. Do you know the difference what I'm talking about there? There, there are times when it's just like, hey, it wasn't, come on, if you're not married in this room, marriage is work. And, and there are going to be times when, hey, that feeling I felt where all the, the fireworks went off and I didn't see anything else in the room but you, that, that might not be there all the time. And you're going to have to know that they love you. But there are times when she'll do something or say something or encourage me. It's like, I know Pam loves me. And it causes me to act differently. I, I have more confidence. I have a little spring in my step. I'm, I, I act differently with people because I know I'm solid at home and I know I have somebody that's for me and loves me. And it goes to a whole nother level when it's God. When we know. That, like conceptually, you could read the Bible, you could read John 3.16 and say, okay, God loves me, I get it. Come on, some of us stay there in our Christian walk. And there's something about knowing that God loves you, that you've experienced in your life and you felt it. And it's not just a theory or a concept somewhere, but I've lived being loved by God. And when I know that, when I learn this lesson and it gets deep down inside of me, it causes me to be a different person. It gives me confidence. It changes the way I interact with people. The same things that I talked about of knowing that Pam loves me and has my back, they're amplified. It goes to a whole nother level when I really truly know and grasp that God loves me. Here's a verse for you in John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. That's a great word, to lavish love on somebody. He's lavished. That means it was more than what was necessary. When, when you lavish something on somebody, it's more than just doing the bare minimum. It goes above and beyond. It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Everybody read the last part of this verse with me. And that is what we are. We need to know that. That is what we are. He really adopted us into his family. He enfolded us into the Trinity. Can I say it that way? He caused his being and his essence, his spirit, to come dwell inside of us. No take backs, no give backs. He loved us so much, he brought us into himself. The Father loved us so much, he put his presence in us. We are not sneaking in undercover of Jesus. Let me say what I mean by that. It's not like, oh God, God really doesn't like me and he's angry at me, but Jesus said, hey, I'll, I'll put you under my robe and I'll bring you in the back door. He really sees you and me and he loved us so much that he brought us into himself. I feel like I bless you, my child. That was, that was, a, that was an undercover amen. That's what that was. He really loves us. We are called children of God, and that is what we are. There are promises in Scripture that we need to know are true, and we can know they're true because he loved us so much. Uh, here's, here's one more verse, and we'll close with this today. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says, God is not like people. He tells no lies. He is not like humans. He doesn't change his mind. When he says something, he does it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. To learn this lesson 
This, is, this probably should have been the number one lesson because it really is a foundation in our lives. Uh, right now, today, we need to choose to start a lifelong love affair with God and his word. We need to know that he loves us and live like everything he promised to us in this book is absolutely true. All right, that's a lot to chew on this week. Five lessons that we talked about today that if we, if we really get a hold of them now, the next part of our life will go even better than it's been going. Own our stuff and deal with it. Invest in relationships that make us better. Get off the fence. Practice faithfulness. Live like God loves us and everything in the Bible is true. And we will see things happen. One of the best ways to learn those lessons is by having somebody else to walk with you in those lessons. So that's part of why we're signing up for life groups today. Uh, I'm going to have everybody stand. And while you're standing, uh, if you're leading a life group this time, you can go head out to the foyer and get ready for when we dismiss. Uh, Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in this place today. Here's, Here's an action item for you this week. Try a life group. Go to a life group to see how it fits, to meet some other people, to be encouraged and say, hey, I want to grow in my faith. I want somebody around me that's going to make me a better person and remind me who I am in Christ. At at a minimum, even if you don't go to a group this week, at a minimum, tell somebody else in the church which one of those lessons you're going to work on this week. If something really stirred you in, in one of those things that we talked about, one of those five things, let somebody else know. Hey, that, that really spoke to me when, when pastor said, I need to own my stuff. Like, can you give me some advice of how to do this? There, there's something that we've talked about today that even if you don't go to a life group this week, find somebody else to talk about with it. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for your great love for us. That you didn't just give a little bit of your love, you lavished it upon us. Lord, thank you for calling us and saving us and bringing us into your family. Lord, I ask that as we go from this place today, that you would remind us of who we are in you, that you would let our lives be a light for you in the, in the world, the people that we meet, the places that we go. Lord, let our light shine for you. God, I just, I ask that you would help us, even the things that we've talked about today, the lessons that we want to learn in life, help us to do them well, Lord God. Help us to learn what you want us to learn today so that our lives tomorrow could be full of life and light. God, bless us indeed, even as we go from this place. I thank you that you go with us, that your presence is with us, that your blessings are upon us. We just honor you today. We thank you for who you are and what you are actively doing in our lives. Let our lives bring you honor and glory so that your name, Lord Jesus, will be made famous in all the earth. We just give you glory now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.